is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, 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 the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your host, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go! Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where we have the Seahawks Week 17 News Roundup and chat ahead of a massive, massive week in the future of the 2022 Seattle Seahawks. Ty, it's make or break. Is it going to mm. be make or is it going to be break? I have no idea. Because <laughs> really, I don't know what Seahawks team we're going to get. One week, the defense is putrid and the offense is pretty good. It's passable. Then the next week, defense pretty much gives you everything that you could possibly ask for. And then the offense, you know, can't score to save its life. So I have no idea what we're going to get on Sunday. Um, and also the Jets probably have the best chance that they could possibly have to win this game with Mike White returning because Zach Wilson is a dumpster fire and Joe Flacco is Joe Flacco. So they have arguably their best quarterback starting this week and defense is pretty playing pretty well. So I, I, yeah, I'm not feeling incredible about this game considering the way the Seahawks have played, especially the last couple of weeks. Uh, but again, I don't know, you know, everything could just click for them this week and it could just all come together perfectly. And that would be great. That would be preferable. Actually. How do you feel, Maddie? Well, the defense, I think, may be fixed, but that is famous last words, especially against a talent like Mike White. He's, the offense... He's, he's such a good quarterback, man. He's, he's just... He's so elite. <sighs> he's very talented. He's no uh, Davis Mills, that's what I'll be saying. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Good point. He definitely is no uh, Zach Wilson. Oh, hell I think no. Is, that's the most important takeaway here. That, that's basically the point that I was trying to make. So, yes, yeah. I thank you. Um, now the offense looks kind of broke, but hopefully not because of what they did against Kansas City in the second half, where Walker ran more decisively. Uh, tape shows that too. I, I said I was watching during the me a family meal, but I'm watching back like, what on earth? He's like trying to bounce out like a play designed to cut back, like just hit the hole, man. Um, and that's kind of been an issue for him, which has cropped up a few times this season. So hopefully he's sort of learnt his lesson there, and hopefully they can run the ball effectively. But what I should have asked Pete Carroll on Monday and didn't because I was like, nope, you don't often get to Zoom into press conferences because they don't often do Zoom press conferences and it's difficult to work out when they're doing it. But I should have asked him, rather than my getting my defensive questions in, on how challenging this Jets defense is considering the fact it's basically a very similar start to what San Francisco do and Shane Waldron seemingly runs out of ideas against the 49ers who obviously have a talented defensive front but the New York Jets have a very talented defensive front of their own Robert Salah's done it again kind of with the way they play up front and they play the same system basically so that's terrifying and not a good sign because they play yeah. a similar width on the edge and similar speed and similar middle field open looks and very aggressive as well and attacking and penetrating. And that's bad for, for Seattle. And like 
you know, you think about how the run game experienced a revival where they're running these under center looks, Walker's getting downhill, hitting the hole uh, decisively, and they're getting actual movement and displacement up front for the first time in a while in that second half against Kansas City. And then you're like, well, Waldron against the 49ers ran his lowest season total of under center and his second lowest because I think he doesn't know how to deal with, obviously, it's Nicholas Bosa, isn't it? It's all I always get them confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nicholas. It's Nick, Nicholas, yeah. Saint Nick. Yeah. Um, Saint Nick. defense player of the year, probably. But uh, you know, the Jets still have like a really talented edge group as well. Obviously, Griffin and I will preview that game, but we're kind of doing that now as well, aren't we, Ty? Don't tell Griff. Yeah, we're we're doing a we're doing a little previewing, doing doing a smidge of previewing here on the Seattle Overload. Yeah, it's just uh, there. There's a lot of things here that is uh, on paper does not look great for the Seahawks right now. So uh, just again, considering the way that they've played the last couple of weeks, I'm not feeling particularly great about this. But um, you know, you mentioned the under center stuff, right? They got to stick to that. They got to figure that out because that's how they're running the ball most efficiently. And Walker's just not great taking runs out of the gun. Like he's just. Because he's just, it, it, I feel like it it, it um, enables him to be overly patient, like he's been, where he's just like he's looking for something else to develop at the line, and it's just not happening. Where he just he just needs to hit the hole, like you were saying. Because like I saw that so many times on Saturday, and it's just it's incredibly frustrating. With like man, like yeah, you're probably not going to hit a home run here, but those two to three yards that you just passed up on could have been really useful here. So we're not in, you know, constant third alongs. And then you look at their third down conversion rate and, you know, that's the story, right? Like they just, they couldn't sustain drives. It was mostly because like they were in a lot of third and long situations because they couldn't really get the, uh, the ground game going. Like, yeah, they Walker ended up having a hundred plus yards on Saturday, but I think it was like on 27 carries or something like that. And they basically had to, to force it. And a lot of that is, is skewed by, you know, a few, um, big runs and that's where most of the yardage comes from and the rest is just i don't know they they just they they need to have a more i would say a more consistent ground game being able to get those two to three yards you know uh, here and there uh just to set themselves up in some you know better third down situations better passing down situations now what will hurt their run game ty is that will disley Oh, yeah. The tight end who was off was really their best run blocking tight end. Now no Frank can do it, but uh he's not quite as good. Colby Parkinson is up and down with it. But also Disley, you know, signed to a big relatively big deal this offseason, raised some eyebrows, but he's having a great year. He's um I think Griff said he was uh fourth in EPA per target amongst uh all pass oh, catchers. My, minus 38 wow. targets yeah wow. minimum of 38 targets sorry so yeah fourth in the league in epa per target among all pass catchers with a minimum of 38 targets so he's highly efficient as well and mm. when when actually thrown to or thrown at he is landed on injured reserve with uh, what Pete carroll described as a rare knee injury something they hadn't seen before that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad they don't know if he's going to have surgery but it's like one of those things he was playing through and it just got too agitated, got too much for him to handle. And so he's done for the year. Yeah, that's uh that's not 
ideal um because in my opinion he's their best tight end and uh, especially for the run blocking and obviously this is not a good run blocking line as is and so losing one of your best run blockers uh, in general is going to really hurt you're going to really feel that and it's not going to do you any favors here as you try to get this run game going so that's it's a huge deal and so Pete Carroll you know today saying that this is a really unique injury. They've never seen anything like this before. Specifically, what he's suffered—it's something on the top of uh, on the top of his fibula. They don't know if it's going to require surgery, you know. So we'll see on that. But he's done for the year now, landing on IR this late into the season. So that's a huge blow. It's a massive blow. And I mean, yeah, they get Jacob Hollister in, who's familiar with the organization at least, uh, but he's not a run blocker. He's a pass catcher you know he's a route you know he's a like he he can't do any of that stuff so i mean fans been okay parkinson's whatever so this is this is a big blow this is a really big blow for them yeah i'm not sure jacob hollis is quite as good as fit with gina smith as he was yeah. with uh russell wilson but any anyway they needed a guy and i guess he's a reliable vet although like you know not known for his run blocking more of a kind of move kind of tight end. So yeah. Will Disley's don't go on trees, as silly as that may sound. Like, you, you run blocking like that from the tight end position isn't often a thing. It makes me wonder if they delve into maybe six offensive linemen looks. Abraham Lucas didn't participate in practice today with the, the knee injury he's been dealing with, something he's dealt with in the past, according to Pete Carroll. Obviously, if he can't go at right tackle... But Pete sounded op- optimistic that he may be able to go, but they're mm-hmm. just resting him. But in Wednesday's practice, he did not participate. And so maybe Stone Forsyth fills in there again. He looked pretty good against Kansas City. And and it's quite exciting the amount of mass he could have. But if Lucas can go, maybe they delve into six offensive linemen looks where you get a fake tight end. He's actually a tackle playing there, as Seattle has done in the past. May, you know... I think back to Schottenheim used it in 2018, I think quite a lot when they run heavy offense. I think maybe like, a, you know, there's no reason Forsyth or even Jake Curhan, who's fallen out of favor mm-hmm. a bit, but they, both of them could do that. You just run blocking. Now it gives you some tails, but it might be the added wrinkle. This offense needs to be able to move the ball still uh, and be relied, you know, have a run game that can be relied upon. I don't know. Something to consider. Stone Forsyth receiving touchdown incoming on sunday there we go so i mean he's just he's so tall maddie you can just throw it up to him is that easy yes it's true it's true so the other big injury news ty is that tyler lockett was catching passes and took part in the walkthrough today even though he's listed on the practice report as a did not participate in practice Mm-hmm. He's catching passes with what Jordan Brooks described as a swollen uh, hand of stitches in it. But uh, his surgery was a great success, according to Pete. And he's looking like he's going to play, even though he did not participate today. That's so impressive, man. Like, just a week removed from surgery and you're out there. Like, like he had a fracture in his hand. <laughs> and now he's out there catching passes. Is that even... Or, like, just a little over a week later. That's insane. Um, and this team needs him, right? I mean, Pete Carroll basically said as much what on Saturday or maybe it was your Monday press conference that you were in. Um, that this team, wow, hold on, we need to stop the presses here because we've gotten a 
$10 super chat from Nick who says, I appreciate your guys' content. You need to get rid of Jackson, get a new center and guard. Not much we can do this year, but we can next year if we draft right and develop players correctly. Thank you, Nick, for Thank the... Thank you, uh, Nick. Yeah, for the... That's uh, very kind. So I, I guess we, we all address about... Um, you mean Mike Jackson, the left corner, uh, the new center... And Gabe Jackson, got... I think, right? Oh, Gabe Jackson. That would make that's, sense. That's how I took it, but... Maybe he so, also means Mike. Nick, Nick, like in a whole new interior defensive line. I think definitely adding competition in that area and maybe one or two new starters would be a good move. I agree. Yeah, but if I agree. if you, I took Jackson and then and a guard to be two different like Mike right. Jackson. Right. Anyway, yeah. I think Nick, all those areas are things that they'll look to upgrade. And yeah, this year talent has been a slight issue, but um. As you correctly point out, next year is probably more their year. They need to hit the draft, and then they should be able to take over. But anyway, Ty, we're talking. Where are we going? Uh, I completely lost. Oh yeah, Tyler Lockett. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pete, you know, said uh, pretty much, you know, that this team absolutely needs Lockett because they need guys that can organically get open because this line right now is not playing that well and so there isn't a lot of time for these guys to get separation. And so, you know, I don't know if you watch the tape or how much of the tape you've watched but i'm going to assume a lot of you know a lot of the issues where guys just didn't have time to get open right guys just weren't getting getting open at all and that's mostly because they don't have like behind locket they don't really have guys that are good route runners like just being honest about it like they're just not good route runners in general even dk is not a great route runner either and so um and we just talked different about that type and yeah, yeah we know his root tree but you're right like even with Lockett out on the field, like, and it was against a great team in the 49ers, but the root concepts that Waldron called up, they weren't quite really getting open. They weren't working as yeah. designed. Like the primary uh, deal wasn't there. And then obviously the 49ers have such a great rush. Mm-hmm. But then like you remove Lockett from the equation, as you're saying, and you get in more third and longs. And then you've lost that intermediate kind yeah. of uh, zone window, sit down in the hole, dude, who can pick up that first down for you, like good winds of speedster. Yep. He didn't participate in practice today with a shoulder wrist injury, which is something he's been nursing. Um, and so, and then the Metcalf isn't that, you kind of know what route Metcalf's getting. Even if Gino signals to him, hey, let's do this, you know you're going to get like a like a deep route tree kind of deal. Unlikely to be a post, often it'll yeah. just be a go route or a deep comeback, and that's what teams defend. And he's going to be split out wide, maybe putting him in the slot, would be an option, but it's still going to be kind of a vertical root tree. Uh, the, the thing with Lockett, like, uh, I, I'd i anticipate the hand being like, you know, okay, he has to catch the football. That's important. And, you know, you, you know, it might hurt if it's zipped into him. You know, Gino spins the ball lovely and they throw it so hard and it does hurt. You, but you, wear, you can wear a glove, right? And it, I don't know, yeah. you can take some... Uh, painkillers to to nullify how much that may hurt my thing would be like blocking like that's gonna yeah. hurt if you get that caught in a face cage or something or just you're gonna have to stick your hands in the breastplate of a dude stalk blocking i don't know that's yeah interesting maybe maybe they run a lot more of plays where tyler's running the jet uh constraint play the other way and he doesn't have to go and lay out a big block or maybe they have him on a bub- attached bubble screen, which they never throw, um, to protect him a bit. It's something to watch for. Um, 
There was actually quite a few guys who also didn't practice, Ty. So I mentioned Goodwin. Uh, Travis Homer didn't participate in practice with his ankle sprain. I feel like that's something that, you know, they, they've already had to make a few roster moves and they might make some more. But that's something to me that it sounds like IR. Uh, well, not IR, but well, maybe IR. <laughs> what am I talking about? I mean, mm. an ankle sprain, like at this point in the season, yeah, a high ankle. I know home is important, but like I, we don't know what type of ankle sprain that is. But like a high ankle sprain typically means you're done for like six to eight weeks, right? Like even maybe even longer. Depends on the severity, obviously. But anyway, and then yeah, Noah Fant. I guess if they don't, I guess if they don't do anything, that means that they think that he has at least a chance to play in like the wild card or divisional round. But... Mm. Like how valuable is that roster spot? Like how how valuable is the extra roster spot to you? You know, with two weeks to go, really. Like I guess you could just afford to wait it out. Maybe, yes. And then the, what what happens in the playoffs? But he's definitely mm-hmm. the next guy to be utilized, I guess. Uh, then Noah Fan out with a knee injury, which obviously is notable with the absence of Will Disley already. Uh, yeah. Abraham Lucas didn't participate with his knee, which we talked about. Kenneth Walker, the third, didn't participate with his ankle, so they're probably just resting that. Yeah. But, you know, need him to go. And uh, Ryan Neal still out with his knee injury, while uh, Nick Ballore out with an illness. Now, Neal is kind of needed back because, I mean, it was Abram's first game, yeah. like proper full game, but he was really, really bad. Like, he busted quite a few assignments. Look like his first game, and Tabor is more of that kind of. I think they want a bit of a box hitter, like they split time, but especially with how the defense is is transitioned almost back to the the real world system of like 2013, where you have more of a strong box safety type and then more of a free uh, deep safety type. Uh, so they kind of probably want Abram out there more, and yeah, he was busting a lot of things. So that's not good. They need Neil back, if possible. Then limited participation in practice tied DJ Dallas with an ankle injury, Bruce Irvin with a knee slash heel issue, which he's been nursing. Boye Mathe's snap count's increasing. And Daryl Taylor got praised today for his uh, technical improvements, but also his understanding of the scheme and what that asks him to do. So that's good. Maybe it's finally going to click and he plays more and they mm. trust him to set the edge. That would be nice. Yeah, Clint Hurt was talking today about getting uh, Mafe more snaps. Uh, mm. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that because uh, you know I've heard you and, and Griff speak about Mafe, and you guys would know a lot more than I on this. That uh, you know you, you you haven't been very high on Mafe this year. So what do you think about the uh, the idea of getting him more snaps here? You think that helps at all? Like, I mean, he's just dude. kind of an energy dude who's obviously a good athlete, but um, yeah, like, I mean, in theory, he should be able to drop a tiny bit into coverage because he can run, and then he should be physical enough to set an edge. Um, mm-hmm. but like, he honestly, some of the stuff he does, it's like he's so raw, like he's new, like with just the, the movements. Right. But um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. there's a reason Irvin's played so much is because he sets a reliable edge consistently um, he's very savvy he works hard and he gets other people right too um, very few of the defensive issues have been on Bruce Irvin the problem is he is 35 years old playing you know touching like the 90% mark of snaps each week 
although this past week was an exception because he's dealing with this uh, injury. Same with the week before as well because it's a short week. But um, right. he, you know, his, his pass rush isn't always going to be like amazing. Like in, in an ideal world, Taylor just plays all the time and he's pass rushing even better than Uchenna Nwosu. But anyway, um, now the other big news tie is that a full participant in today's practice was Big Al Woods. Oh, big, yes. Big Al, like uh, Big, big Al's Al. toy barn. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm going to be that. late for work. <laughs> there we go. There he we just go. reminds me of um, like cheese puffs. You know, he's eating the cheese <laughs> yeah, puffs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, the the scene that I remember is where he paints over uh, the Andy uh, marker on, on Woody's shoe. <gasps> That's what I remember. Yeah. Was that him? That wasn't the... Uh... The evil guy who like gets uh Woody. Oh right. Out. Well, he he hires that guy, right? Doesn't yeah, he hire yeah. That guy. Yeah, he hires that guy to polish over Woody's shoe, right? Or paint over Woody's shoe. Right, right. There we go. Either way, Woody gets all shiny and he goes off to was it Tokyo? It, no, it's to go to. He's like a part of uh, Big Al's collection or whatever, like personal collection. I thought he was going to like a Tokyo exhibition. Oh yeah, thing. oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They're gonna like send him off. Yeah, because there's like the whole plane thing at the end. I haven't seen that movie in so long. Mm-hmm. Shout out Toy Story two. Yeah. Uh, Do you know what I watched Lightyear like? Oh yeah. A few weeks ago, really bad. Really, really. Bad. I heard. I heard that it's very bad. I heard like that. the worst. Of the which Pixar is movies that yeah which is really surprising because pixar usually does a pretty solid job that's yeah the chicken man yeah that's right the chicken man, the chicken find man. The, yeah we got to find the chicken man yeah our woods is no chicken because uh that's right he's been you know he's been missed as much hell of as a, hell, hold on real quick hell of a segue <laughs> All of a segue. I always think segways are better when you point out what a great segue is and just derail the segue. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We do that a lot. We Um, do that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, So the defensive line, they've been playing pretty well, and it seems they've got the cohesion and the connection going up front, whether they're there in their nickel 245 deal or in base where they've been running quite a bit of under. And a bit of over, and honestly, like as I've said, looking at the 2013 Seahawks in their schematic style. Now, Mr. Woods coming back probably means they'd run a bit more bear defense where he can play the head up nose. Seattle in the past few weeks have been playing like a shaded nose because it's been lighter mass up there. Obviously, with Mone out, Puna Ford's been playing the nose. And to play a shaded nose, you can power step into the center, knock him back. And you have a uh, like a you're the front side a gap. So often you're got the security of a linebacker fitting into your backside a gap to keep the center, you know, a bit aware of you. Your double team is going to come from a guard, but then you've got a linebacker coming up in the b gap often to keep that guard double team off you a bit as well. Whereas if you're uh, head up nose tackle, then you're mirror stepping the center. And then looking to win is the backside A gap, which to that point, um, you know, you're probably going to get doubled a bit more. You, yeah, it's there's just it just requires a bit more mass often. And Woods is 
that guy. Um, so him being back mm. would be big, and it would also free up Puna to play more three technique again, although his quickness at nose tackle has been a nice thing for Seattle. Yeah, uh, Puna's uh, stepped up here. They've, they've needed him too. Uh, I mean, they just haven't had the bodies, like you mentioned. Like, Monet going down was just disaster. Uh, so so getting Big Al back is is really nice. Um, now the Jets don't have a particularly great run game. Um, they've you know obviously lost their two running backs. Um, I'm not really sure how how well they've performed just as a run blocking unit in general. But I, I just yeah they're, they're not a great run team in general. So um, but that's nice to have. Uh, it's nice to have Big Al back for the next two weeks. Hopefully. At least, yeah, he and he made it through the whole practice. You know, there's no obviously yeah. dealing with a sore Achilles, just needs some rest. So, yeah, big time. And the Jets will try and run the ball, you know, they will. And I'm sure they'll yep. probably try and come up Seattle with the concepts that's troubled them in the past. But mm. the defense said after the 49ers game, I said, Hey, they've gone back to some old stuff. This is reminiscent of. 2021's plan uh but even you know like legion of boom kind of scheme as well from seattle it's not looking like they've sort of thrown out more of the fangio ideas again uh, obviously they're still doing some of them but they're sort of blending it they're finding the right balance of calls etc etc i think they might have found something and lo and behold against the chiefs they do even more of like old stuff and i'm like whoa hold on now this is like did they just copy and paste <laughs> uh, the old defense? And yeah, they kind of did. So there's a sign again that you know I don't I don't know this, but there's a sign that maybe Pete Carroll again sort of stepped in and, and gone, hey, let's right. do this, or maybe just Clint Hurts gone, hey, we got to win now. We got to, the defense isn't going to get fixed doing this. We'll just go back to what we can do, what our guys can do, um, mm-hmm. and they're doing good at it because they've got that personnel for it. Um, and it works, like it does work. So the the other thing as well is when I, I I sort of posed that question to Pete Carroll on Monday, I said about how I asked him, is your performance in the four down nickel fronts, your better performance, is that to do with playing more one high defense and finding the right balance of calls? Or is it to do with just players getting a better familiarity and understanding? So is it like a coaching thing or is it a player thing? Right. And he started by saying that's something I'd like to talk about off camera with you. Um, So it's a shame that we couldn't do that because I'm in England and he is in Seattle. (laughs) However, um, interesting that he was cagey on that. I mean, obviously he's going to be slightly Mm -hmm. cagey, but he was super cagey on that. But he did say that there's been a better connection. Sometimes it just connects better and, and there's more of a connection. And that was obvious. That's what happened against Kansas City. Um, but to me, that connection has been present. And I, th- he's, he, you know, while he said it's not as simple as running more one high, I mean, as we've seen from Seattle, like that a video we did of the Panthers game where they, they were awful just running one high 2-4 uh, defense. Um, they just busted stuff. Now they're all, they're all playing together. There's a synchronicity up front along with the fact that they're playing with more of the numbers advantage in the box rather than being outnumbered. So, yeah, all big time. And I, I do think the blend of calls is a thing, but Pete's not going to try to get him to admit that, but he's not <laughs> going to 
he's not probably not going to say that in a press conference when they need to win right, games yeah. and they're not all happy in Germany. So yeah, yeah, this is a uh, this is a massive game coming up, not just for the Seahawks but also for the Jets because both these teams are really you know clinging on to their playoff hopes right now, trying to stay alive in this thing. And uh, there's a lot of revenge games here. There's obviously the Geno aspect of it, but also Pete, former head coach of the New York Jets. Yep, when he uh, he did the choking uh, gesture to Dan Marino. Yep. Uh, after after well, I don't think it was to I think it was to the Dolphins, right? Because uh, it was just Dolphins. Yeah, yeah he was just. Uh, because they missed a field goal, and then did they lose that game? I, I'm I miss shit talking Pete. I wish I wish Pete would talk some more shit. I'd be sick if he like you know motioned over to the sideline one time after a big win or something. Be tight. Down for petty Pete. Oh yeah, yeah. Pete did that choking sign, and then Marino marched him down the field, and they won the game. The Dolphins yeah. still won. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I miss Pete. Also, that Pete defense, you know, Ty. Um, believe me, I've tried, but um, he said that, that they're running a similar defense to what he ran with the Jets. That's mm. what they're aiming for. So I tried looking for it. Um, but you you couldn't find anything. Well, I found a bit, but it's, oh, okay. you know, it's, mm. it's VHS. Right. Uh, so there's also Robert Sala. Against the Seahawks, former team. Well, he can't. It's not revenge, is it? He well, didn't get fired. He got promotion from his every every player defense. and coach going up against their former team is a revenge game, Maddie. This is how it works. And by the way, Robert Salah, don't ask me how I know this, but he still uses like what is basically well the same language of his appears in Bo Pelini stuff, and it's the same mm. defense. Bo Pelini worked under Pete Carroll. I believe they're all doing the kind of, uh, you know, uh, Monte Kiffin style language, which I also asked Pete Carroll about, and he was like, "No, yeah, not not as big a deal as you think." How, how, like, how, oh. how, 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 how do you know this, Matty? How, how do you know about well, Bo there's and, and <laughs> how do I know about Bo Pelini? Bo Pelini and Bob Sala and all these uh, all these calls and languages that. Uh... Are being used here. How do how do you know about this? Well, but Bo Bo Pelini has been very kind at sharing some of his stuff, mm. not with me personally, but with the coaching community. Mm. And then the coaching community kind of passes stuff on. Mm. Um, so that's nice. And then, how do I know about Robert Salah? Well, one, watch his defense. Um, mm. and then two, if you uh. If you go on this website called, um, be careful, uh, Jetty <laughs> Images. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Robert yeah, Salah okay. always has a really nice menu of play calls. Oh. And occasionally you can see that menu. Hmm. Um, and not, you know, that'd be weird to like spend your whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Going on Jetty Images, searching New York Jets, scrolling through every single picture from that game. Then paying, well, how much is Jesse Images? It's like it's like they want like four hundred pounds for one image. Yeah. yeah, paying or finding someone who has access to Jesse Images, 
for the high resolution shot and then zooming in on each little card that he's holding can mm. you imagine doing that I, that I, would be weird that would be really weird you know would be, be even, sick you know it would be even weirder is to uh actually you know what i'm not going to finish that that might get us in trouble anywho <laughs> whoa okay yeah uh so back to the revenge games we're going to ignore that we're just going to completely hard cut here Marquand and Manuel revenge game. Marquand Manuel revenge game. He he was the step kick guy. How could Pete J- take all the credit? <laughs> no, I don't think he was. But J- it, Jason, Jason Myers revenge game, of course. Oh uh, yeah, J My. DJ Reed revenge game, which actually is kind of a revenge game, you know, because they paid him more than Seattle was going to pay, and like Seattle. Yeah. T- he had the money they just spread it around a bit more and, and dj did go on twitter and say like hey like like i you know that was kind of bullshit so that, there might be some bad blood there there's also been the sauce and uh Tariq beef that sauce had to downplay today but he he's been talking a little bit of shit on twitter about Tariq. uh like uh you know thanks to all the jets fans who uh, made me the highest voted cornerback over whoever was in the lead or whatever he said you know he can, said can, some okay, anything like that i yeah. don't understand like so we, where was he taken second overall fourth no four four there we go yeah why on earth like whoa the the fourth overall player might be more polished as a cornerback than the fifth round pick who was literally taken in the fifth round because he's was very raw mm. Shocker. It, yeah. Shocker. Yeah. Um, I like Source Gardner's tape. Um their defense is pretty cool. The one thing they're really good at is they like they really play the red line, their corners. So like if they're in off coverage and they're playing a quarters like defense, mm-hmm. they will uh and they're like defending the sticks, say. They will pedal out there, but like when it gets close to the sticks, they'll just make sure they've pitched their tent and they'll slowly turn and run with like an if someone's going to try and run outside of them. They won't open up too quick. They'll camp there and they'll say, okay, make that throw, um, you know, in between me and this, the very shrinking sideline because you've run around me. Him and DJ Reed are really good at that. Um, but yeah, Source is quite a bit fragile, isn't well, he's just very competitive, but he likes to talk, whereas Tariq's like the opposite. He's very humble. Which isn't yeah, it's Tariq, cool. It's a cool story. Which which is weird for like a really good corner too, because they're very like like usually corners, like the good corners in the league, they they talk a lot. Well, I which think that's like what's is cool fine. About and, and I and I that's and cool I like about that, Willen, right? right? But like, like he's yeah. Willen really he is in that phase of like he doesn't know what he doesn't know. Like, yeah, he's still learning how to play cornerback like um it's kind of nuts but he yeah. had a pass breakup against Kansas City which was nuts like Abram one of the mistakes I was referencing was meant to be playing in the post mm. uh and he like came down on a shallower crossing route and so uh it was still like a deep crosser it was off play action so there's a deeper post coming from the other side of the field that Woolen was running with but then he's like okay I can probably pass this off to to Abram in the deep post, but Abram didn't take it. So Woolen is in a trail position, manages to catch up, 
see the football, undercut it, and get it incomplete. Almost should have intercepted it, but like just the play to do that to like not just to un- catch up from being out of phase to then being in phase, not just to atone for his de- uh, teammate's error, but to actually like track the football as he's doing that and then swat it incomplete. Really good ball skills, like yeah. super super impressive. Like he, man, like next season, whew, like yeah. That play is what people thought the one that he had against the Rams in LA was. You know what I'm talking about on the Wolford underthrow, where they're like, "Oh my God, look at uh, look at how much ground he made up." It was uh oh yeah 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 Wolford. It was just a bad throw from Wolford. Yeah, but people were like going nuts for that play. But this one, this one was actually like incredibly impressive. Um, yeah, that was a that was a really nice play from Tariq. He just like he he keeps on just doing cool shit. Like he's not like he's still like got a lot of stuff that he needs to work on, but like there's there's some legit flashes here, and it's gonna be like you said, like next year is gonna be nuts for him. But he has a full off season to continue to hone what he's learned uh, this year. Like it's gonna be a wrap for dudes. Like there's gonna come a time where he he really starts to master this thing and starts actually really playing cornerback, and that's gonna be scary. Yep, just gotta stay healthy. Just got to stay healthy. If he stays healthy, like, dude, sky's the limit for Tariq Wallen. Yeah, and, like, good, like, you know, good for Source, like... Yeah. Seattle, like, it's so funny, like, the the narrative of, like, Seattle plays, um... Well, I don't even know if that's a narrative, but, like, there's probably a thing, like, Seattle plays more zone than New York, but, like, the Jets run a lot of too high coverages. Mm. Like, I'd, I'd say that they're probably on an island to, like... In, a fairly equal amount of time, but a lot of Seattle's calls are to are willing basically to play man to man and be on an island. They like push coverage away from him and stuff. Like they don't, you know, they use his abilities. Um, mm-hmm. And he's come out on top when he's played the best receivers. Like, so yeah. Now, uh, so did Source get done by uh, probably the best one of the best? Well, definitely a top three receiver in the league. He got done by Justin Jefferson, didn't he? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I mean Jefferson. I uh, like dude. Justin He'll do Jeff- anyone. Yeah, yeah. He's, that, he's... I mean, but that that would be cool. Maybe we see that if Seattle makes the playoffs. Minnesota, Seattle. <sighs> that would be. I mean, scary. You'd love that. But also, uh, I mean, the like they, they're matchup. Yeah, yeah. No, it is because like they're fake. Like their defense sucks. It's awful. So. Yeah, at the very least, if uh, your defense doesn't play particularly well, you might actually have a shot to win a shootout, or at least have a, a chance in a shootout there. So, so Ty, talking about other NFL teams, mm. week six, week sixteen, week sixteen of the NFL season happened. Maddie, get your mind out of the gutter. Saturday, no, no you can't do today. this. Isn't here. Not today. Um, no, I'll still bully you. I'll I'll still gang up on you. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I'm the British boy. I get it. Yeah, exactly, I get it. Exactly. Um, exactly. Right. Um. So it didn't go very well. So firstly, the Jets lost to the Jaguars, or which I mean, kind of Jaguar. irrelevant, but like the Jets are now seven and eight. They need to win this game against Seattle. Like it's both teams with the playoff hopes on the line. Then the the Bears lost. I mean, to be expected against the Bills, but like you know, the three and twelve. Yeah. You know, you'd quite like them to get a win for the the the. Uh, would would the Broncos pick 
go to two if they tied, if they finish the year tied with the Bears? Yes, I think so. Oh, oh, okay. Interesting. Now, the Vikings uh, beat the Giants, which is great for Seattle, because now yeah. the Giants are 8-6-1, and the Vikings almost messed that up. The Lions also lost to the Panthers. Great for Seattle. Now the yeah. Lions are 7-8. and eight. Um, The other unfortunate thing for Seattle was the Cardinals looked like they were going to be frisky against the Buccaneers, but they lost, so they're now 4-11. and 11. Uh, The Packers won, so they're now 7-8, and eight, so they're suddenly looking tasty. And... The thing, well, here I'll let, I'll let you continue, and then we'll talk about the Packers because the Packers make things a little more complicated now. Oh, do they? That's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, and so the other yeah. big thing was the Commanders losing to the Forty Nine is seven seven and one, which means basically before we get to the the draft pick, uh, Seattle, if they win their next two games, they need the Commanders to lose one, and the Packers. They don't have the tiebreaker on the Packers. I did the playoff machine. Had them finish with the same record. Packers. Packers finish. Uh, Packers get in with a tie, apparently. So now the Packers' next two games are hosting Lions the twelve and, and three fake Vikings. Yeah, and then hosting the seven and eight Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. So Not they can't matchups. defend the. They can't defend the run, the Packers, but they've been running the ball a bit more. Uh-huh. So that's a bit nasty. Uh, and then the other team I spoke about, the Washington Commanders, today announced that Carson Wentz was their uh, starting quarterback again because he's back from injury, which, I mean, that's ballsy considering they were on a pretty good run. That makes me feel better about the Commanders' chances of losing a game. Honestly, yes. so. Their remaining schedule is at home to Cleveland and then at home to the Dallas Cowboys. However, even though the uh, the Eagles lost to the Cowboys this weekend... No, they didn't. Yes, they did. Yeah, they did. The Eagles lost to the Cowboys this weekend, so you might think, like, well, hopefully that keeps the NFC East in play. Uh, and so hopefully, you know, then the Cowboys don't rest their players in Week 18 because they've still got a chance of winning the NFC East. But they are the type of team who would rest players if you know they've got nothing to play for in Week 18. So, yeah. really, the Commanders versus Cleveland is a pretty big game as well. So basically, Seattle has kind of bulged it up, but they've just got to control what they can control and win the games. And like, you know, if if they go, if they went, what would it be? Tied, they'd be nine. They'd be nine and eight. Yeah, nine and eight not making the playoffs is probably fair, isn't it? Ten and seven not making the playoffs would feel harsh, but ten and seven would make the playoffs. So, yeah, it's a little mm-hmm. it's a little bit harder of a pill to swallow when you see like whoever wins the NFC South is probably going to be a sub five hundred team. Well, you say that, Ty, but Seattle I, lost all yeah. their games. The NFC yeah, South. That's true. They that's true. What they deserve. That's that's true. That's true. That's true. But true. as I say, keep the faith because I, you know. The Packers still didn't look great. Like they, Chua. I mean, we we don't have to talk about that, but Chua oh, like God, played yeah. through and another concussion. Like, what the hell is going on there? It's awful. Mm, um, yeah. Come on, Minnesota, do them in, do them in. You've still 
thing is with Minnesota, they're twelve and three, right? What's the best uh-huh. of the NFC team? Thirteen and two Eagles. Go and get the number one seed, Minnesota, and then exactly. go and play Seattle. Just do it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, they so gotta they, they gotta it. hold off they gotta hold off the Niners for the two seed. Like there's there's stuff that's still in play for them. So they should uh they should keep on trying hard. And then the commanders, right? Just just lose. Just do a yeah. Carson Wentz. Just do that. Do do a car do a Carson Wentz. I mean, dude, come on. Like Cooper Rush could probably beat Carson Wentz of the Commanders. So Yeah. Definitely. So that's all we have to worry about, Ty. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I feel pretty good about the Seahawks' chances if they actually win the next two games. But they got to win the next two games. You got to win this week against the Jets. If you lose this week, all this is for naught. And as we've said, Ty, it would be very Seattle if they went to the Rams. Uh, they hosted the Rams needing to win and they'd be in. And then McVeigh just pulled off like an absolute masterclass. Like, you know, they just collapsed. I mean, they just did against the uh, against the Russell Wilsons, the Denver Russell Wilsons, and Nate Hackett's final game. Segway. Segway, Maddie. Segway, uh, yes. So mm-hmm. the other big thing out of Week 16 is the Seahawks' likely Super Bowl mm. was won in astonishing fashion by mm. the Los Angeles Rams. Mm. Wow. Uh, Nickelodeon MVP Baker Mayfield went off, but really it was actually an issue with the Denver Broncos offense coughing up the ball. Wilson you don't say. <laughs> Wilson intercepted three times. Ripian came into the game. Things got so bad. He was intercepted once. Russ he also fought fifth. one of their offensive linemen. Like... Yeah, they're fighting linemen on the sideline in honor of Russ, and one of the linemen are helping Russ up. Mm-hmm. Russ is yep. throwing like awful picks. Um, he can't play against that kind of defense. Mayfield completed eighty-five point seven percent of his passes. Cam Akers had three touchdowns, and uh, yeah, Denver then went and uh, so. So the big the big thing is Denver fired Nathaniel Hackett after this, mm-hmm. um, and they. Remaining because obviously, game. Maddie, this was the low point of their season. Yeah, this was the time to do it. Um, when you give up 51 points. I mean, to be fair, though, giving up 51 points is like... To, to the Rams, too. Who, who yeah, won a banged-up team who are... I mean, at the time, they were 4-10. and 10. Yeah. Um, so now the That's Broncos are 4-11. and 11. Of the year. <laughs> Yes, yes. Hilarious. Um, now the Broncos are 4-11. and 11. Um, but they fired Hackett, mm-hmm. and their head coach is Jerry Roseberg, interim head coach. Roseberg, known for his special teams coordinating. He was with the Baltimore Ravens until 2018. He then left coaching. I watched his press conference today. He was working in, um, he was studying s- some medical thing to mm. try and help players recover, I think. But um, an athlete. But uh, yeah, he came back into coaching. He was brought on earlier in the season to help Hackett's game management. Um, he's now the head coach. He speaks very well. Um, Denver's final two games, though, even though Roseburg speaks well, mm. do not look easy. 
like if they win these games, I'm going to be very, very annoyed. They play at the Chiefs, who are 12 and 3 and still vying for the number one seed in the AFC. So you'd hope there was L. no miracle there. L. And then they host the 9 and 6 Chargers, which may be more of a problem because the Chargers have made the playoffs now. Yeah, but they're still seeding at play and stuff like that. Like, I, I think yeah. they'll probably play their starters. Yeah. So hopefully they do, and hopefully Denver loses both those games. Um, and that Seattle, you know, gets it done. Uh, gets gets that number three pick, or maybe better, because the Bears play at the Lions. I mean, crazier things have happened. And yep. then they, I mean, that would be pretty crazy. though. And then they host the 12-3 and Vikings, which at that point in the season, maybe the Vikings are resting players. Um, maybe the Vikings, after beating the Packers and locking up whatever decide to rest their starters against the uh, Chicago Bears and let them have a win. Maybe. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, they play at the Falcons this weekend, who are 5-10. and 10, So hope, you know, that's one where maybe... Could, like, there, There is a scenario here, Maddie, where the Minnesota Vikings in three consecutive weeks could significantly help the Seahawks. This week, beat the Packers. Yeah. Next week, Allow the Bears to beat them and help out that Seahawks pick, the Broncos pick, and then lose to the Seahawks in wildcard weekend. Oh, my word. So dastardly. It must happen. Big Vikings guy here. Always have been. You know, these teams are intertwined. Uh, Peace buddy, Eddie, Eddie Donatel. He's over there. Eddie. Yep. Yep. So, oh, what could have been? I mean, you know, don't you don't you just uh, how different <laughs> would it have looked? Like, yeah, don't, don't don't you watch the Vikings defense and wonder, man, how much different could this Seahawks defense look? Not at all. It'd be still really fucking bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of wild. The Vic Fangio system, eh? Yeah. Um, so there was a tweet here from. Uh, one Dan Orlovsky that's made uh, made the rounds, and I, I want your <laughs> I want your thoughts on it. He mm-hmm. he uh, he has grinded the tape and has devised a plan to fix Russell Wilson. If I can find it, to fix Russ, Orlovsky says. Simply put, need a coach to build everything around an offense that is out of the pocket. Based rather than in the pocket base. What That's a novel idea. That's a novel idea yeah. from Mr. Olovsky. Um, mm. I don't know why haven't they tried that. That's so weird. Like why? Ha- that, why I've haven't I've never tried heard that? that suggested before? That's yeah. bizarre. Yeah. Why? Why have? Why haven't the Seahawks tried that? Why? Why haven't the Broncos tried that? This guy should be coaching. Exactly. Um, Get this no, that's guy mean. That's mean. in an NFL front office it's uh yeah no it's just it's just the same exact takes that we've been here dude okay so like i was on youtube yesterday you know doing the youtube or as you say the youtubes uh so i was on the youtubes and i saw a video of yeah yeah you do that's why uh 
Yeah. Uh, and so I, I saw a video of like the, the fight on the sideline between Brett Rippon and Dalton Reisner and that whole yeah. thing. Nice, but, they, nice. but in the same video, they also showed the two plays that happened right before that fight. Well, it wasn't really a fight. They just kind of yelled at each other, whatever. So on those two sacks, right? Russ runs out of, out of a clean pocket, sacked. Russ runs out of a clean pocket, sacked then the whole you know brent Rippon comes out dalton reisner saying you need to protect russ whatever whatever and then i look in the youtube comments and the same thing is happening russ is just getting destroyed by his offensive line his offensive line can't block anybody it's just the same narrative over and over and over again why can't we just admit that this guy has flaws like I know That's he's it. been like the punching bag this year, and I feel bad about that at this point. Like it's been it's been a lot. It's been a lot. And I do worry about Russ from a mental side of things. But there are legitimate criticisms to have of him. And it's time to stop making these same tired excuses for him eleven years now into his career. It's ridiculous, dude. Yeah, so I don't get why people are acting like this is something which happened overnight. Like they're saying, get yeah. him out of the pocket more, let him run more. Like he cannot run as well as he used to. His yeah. burst and agility has gone. Like he is also what thirty four. It's thirty four, and I mean it's really been like he can't since, he like, can't run as explosively. Um, yeah. He's kind of stiff and like it came up. We saw it. Like we were saying this was issues in twenty twenty, and Griff then. I, I, he he really phrased it so well with the min maxing thing of like we can only do so much deep passing, mm-hmm. and he won't do the kind of intermediate layers. Uh, you've got a very small menu of quick game. You have up tempo, but you can't do that all the time. Uh, so then, what do you do? Well, you've got to run the ball pretty well, um, and then hopefully your play action deep shots uh, also become a bit of a more of a thing as well. But like. That's the thing which has gone wrong with Denver is like teams know that that's the that, that Russ. I mean, I said 2021, 2020, we said it like Russ has been kind of figured out here and they sort of need to like 2018 is his most efficient year and they became a very run heavy offense. Um, yeah, probably too run heavy, but it rebuilt Russ from what was a really bad end of 2017 where, yeah, okay, the offensive line was bad, but like he was sacking himself. I just don't get why also, and like, they were, it was just chaos. Like, he just melted down mechanics-wise. 2018, they rebuilt him up. 2019, they sort of started gearing, and that was a really good kind of balanced year. 2020, it swung too far, and then they couldn't, they couldn't get it back. And I think they uncorked a host of, like, you know, ambitions and other things. And then the trade happens. Um, and, like, I just don't get why people act like it's happened overnight. And then you have... Along with all of this, the kind of um, just unusual robotic nature, which I, I know I, I think it's gone too far like on social media, but then, you know, he did ask for the trade. Um, you yeah. know, the, the Seahawks were very, very keen to make that clear. Uh, there was all this, all these media stories coming out about how, and, and people saying how backwards Pete Carroll was and, and how uh, Russ is limited by what's happened in Seattle and wasted and stuff like this. Now, I don't think it's uh, – things are never black and white. It's never, like, 100% one way. 
Um, and I think with the divorce as well, that's the case. But also with yeah. like, you know, did Seattle make mistakes? Yes. But like, yeah. But dude, like, it, even if he didn't ask for the trade, even if he didn't force his way out, Seahawks were right at the end of the day. Like, yeah, it, they were yeah. right to move um, on. So, and so, you know, while it is going to find social media in terms of his character and stuff, like attacking that and saying, is attacking he his wife. In, yeah, so, saying, yeah, is that's... he interested in football? Well, I think that is, you know, it's kind of a fair question. Um, but I think the bigger thing is, like, like you see him on the sideline and there's the video from the last game where he is talking to his offensive line with a football over his mouth. Um, and the camera is side on, so you can see what he's saying anyway. Yeah. It's just bizarre. Like, I just don't, it's like... Were you, just... were you able to decipher what he said? You a good lip reader? Like obviously you're good at, at finding no, you know, play sheets, no. but reading play sheets, but uh No, I'm a bad lip reader. Mm. Um But yeah, yeah, it's just I guess like when he's when you're in a rut like this, I guess you default and you become a more extreme version of yourself because you sort of default to habits and trying to um manifest things happening and so you act even more like the person you think you need to be. I don't know. It's very odd. Um, it kind of seems like I don't know how you fix that situation. Like mm. you can't get rid of a whole offensive line. I know Garrett Bowles had his back and he got injured. I know their line's been banged up, but like this was bad from the jump. Like that game in Seattle, they're running the ball well. Seattle couldn't stop the run, and then they they did, they took too many shots. Um, Russ had an okay game but like that looked like a really good game plan from denver i remember saying after like denver's gonna be a good team this year because their defense was really good and they looked like they were gonna be able to run the ball more and but they just hadn't got it going they didn't shotgun run enough like they had the weird up tempo empty stuff and then mm-hmm. you know the game management part of that game was hilarious and it's planned out the whole season i don't know like and i I feel if you're an offensive coach, like you see what I, what the tape shows, I don't really get how you don't. Mm. Like, I don't know how, like as much as coaches think I'm going to fix this guy and that's an appealing concept to them. And as an offensive coach, you'd be like, oh, I can do it with my system. But I really don't think it's that appealing. Like it's going to have to be like someone who's desperate or someone on the defensive side of the ball or someone who needs a second chance. Um, like for instance, Dan Quinn, maybe that does make sense because he's like a, a, you know, second time head coach and he's like a culture dude, um, and he's a defensive mind, and he knows Russ kind of like you know, but uh, I don't know. And like the Schottenheimer, it's going to be very tough. Like, well, and like who, the Schottenheimer thing, it. yeah, I, we still think like you know, Corbin Smith of. Um, all Seahawks, he reported that Russ's camp and Russ pushed for Schottenheimer to get fired. So I really, I don't know where that's coming from. Like, is that, is that, you know, is that, is he okay? Is he willing to push that on the carpet? Is, is, because like Benjamin Albright, one of, one of the Denver guys, he's always saying, linking Schottenheimer with the job, but like as a name, but is that like the agent pushing that? Like, yeah. Where's that coming from? Is that just trying to get Schottenheimer's name back in the media cycle? Because it seems crazy if that's what happened and Russ's camp did push for that. Can you really patch that over? I don't know. Yeah, no, I just 
it's so weird. Like, and obviously we're not, you know, behind the scenes. We don't know everything. We don't know how all that stuff went down. You know, there's conflicting reports and all this stuff. I just, uh, you know, the, the thing that's really telling to me too, right. Is like George Payton outright said like, oh yeah, we think Russell can be fixed. Now, I think it was Mookie over at field goals that made a great point here that I don't think Russ is going to take kindly to being basically called broken by his own organization. So now that's just going to create even more issues potentially. Maybe. I mean, at a certain point he has to actually be remember, remember with the Seahawks, there was all that talk about being accountable. Like Schottenheim was brought in. Mm -hmm. It was like, we're going to make, we're going to have more accountability. So maybe that's been a problem for some time. I don't know. I'm just sort of theorizing and sort of based off what we've seen. But like, I don't know. Like, at a certain point, you have to kind of. Surely he knows that. I mean, he said himself, like, I, I haven't played up to my usual standards. But then, on the contrary, this is actually you know kind of what we've seen. Um, I mean, it's what the tape showed. It's just the struggles were kind of hidden by you know. The defense, which actually played better down the stretch of 2020 uh, into 2021, was up and down, but they had a bit of a run game they could lean on. When Russ comes back from his injury, any bloody quarterback could have played well, really, in that, because they were running the ball so well. Yeah. So, yeah, the finger injury was like kind of the perfect. Like, I wonder if that hadn't happened how it would have looked with Russ in Seattle and if they'd have got the same trade package. It kind of was the perfect excuse for them to be like, oh, no, he's fine after the injury. And, uh, yeah, we're still going to trade him if you're interested. Um, I don't know. Interesting, interesting. But So, so tight. Yeah, go ahead. W- one last thing on that. Is there, like, obviously, you know, we're, we're big Jalen Carter guys over here. I know Griff likes Will Anderson. Well, I no, like no. Well, hold on now. Hold on. I haven't, I haven't watched any tape. I'm not going to be called no, 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 big anyone. No, 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 no. All right, all right, all right, I got you. But you know, but is there a part of you that just from you know being petty that that kind of wants the the Seahawks selfishly to draft a their their quarterback of the future with that Broncos pick? If it's Why not Geno, would... right? I mean, why they already have. That? They have Geno Smith. They right? already yeah, have yeah, the quarterback of the future. That's that's right. That's right. That's right. But is there any part of you that's like that would be that would be kind of funny? They did use that no. pick on a quarterback. No, I've already been vindicated in my in okay. my takes. But um, yep. yeah, yeah, no. What are you you you? I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm. I'm not. A, I'm not a Geno denier. I'm not a Geno denier. Mm, sounds like you're petty though. There's there's just a part of me though that's like I kind of you know I'm just being a little toxic here that I just kind of I kind of want that quarterback there with that pick but uh, Jalen Carter please okay one Jalen Carter we got a few questions at the start Ty if you can stick around we we could uh, answer them sure let's do it all right Dustin Washington asked is this defensive system the right D for our personnel. I I don't know. You would be better to to answer this one than, than me. <laughs> They've run like three different defensive systems this year almost. They're like kind of in a weird blend of calls. I think they're starting to get the some of the stuff. And I, th- I think the personnel's good. Mm. Like 
people talk a lot of crap about the personnel. I think the personnel is good. I think, you know, it's hard to play gap and a half or almost like two gapping technique. Like, I mean, look across the league at how the teams running the Fangio stuff is struggling to do that up front. Um, and they're struggling with similar issues to Seattle. Um, and obviously it helps if you have good players, but like, you know, at a certain point, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Like, I think like watching Denver, they they are similar. They don't have a crazy, crazy, like Aaron Donald type in the interior of the defensive line, but they're just more familiar with it. Like they're they're sort of more versed in that. Uh, I think Seattle's been trying to balance this year, like acclimatizing to that, along with like actually playing defense at work. So, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. And then there's also a thing like I asked Pete, like you know. Did you did it take time to adapt to this new defensive language and stuff? And he kind of was like, "Yeah, kind of." So, yeah. Um, oh, let's go. Right. Okay. Next question. <laughs> Good to see some old faces here as well in the chat. Thank you, everyone, for participating. Mm. It's always great. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Right. This is a question we've had a bit. How would have Ugo? Armadi a fit in our current defensive scheme. Obviously, he was cut um, just mm. before the season started. Uh, considering we consistently play three safeties in dime. So, the reason Ugo was cut as a nickel is because basically they want their nickel to play a lot more uh, essentially man-to-man on receivers across the field. So, like, when Seattle plays cover three... Now, whereas in the past they'd have had their nickel zone, like he'd reroute the receiver up his seam and then zone off into the curl flat, the outside underneath space of cover three. Now they have him match it. So that could be deep. That could be deep across the middle, but they match vertical stems. Um, They also play... uh, Yeah, yeah. So basically Ugo didn't fit there. And then when Mm. they're in... Whereas they feel like Kobe Bryant has the skills to do that. He's been up and down. It's a tough assignment. Um, obviously, they brought in Justin Coleman to do that. Um, he might have been past his peak, or maybe they just wanted to give a young guy a chance. Probably a combination of both. Now, the dime thing, Seattle and dime plays more. The third safety is more of a dude who has to be able to play inside the box, not that nickel type. Um, you think like Ryan Neal who did it. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, T's table has come in, but like he's still bigger than Ugo. But basically, like it was time to give Ugo another opportunity, and I'm sure he asked for it. Um, mm-hmm. Where is he now? Because he got released from Tennessee, right? <laughs> yeah, he's bounced around a bit this uh, this year. Uh, he was so he, first he was traded to Philly for um, Ortega Whiteside, and then. Yeah, he went to Tennessee like a week later. Ortega? Yeah, Ortega. Remember, we've been over this, Matthew. Uh, And then uh, November 3rd, apparently, he signed to the Chiefs practice squad, and that's where he still remains. Ah, well, good for him. But basically, he's more of a zone corner. I mean, Kansas City is a good fit because, like, they just run loads of different types of shells disguised with pressure. So, like, Ugo's kind of fitting that. He's very good at disguising. That's right, Christopher. Everyone remember to like the video. Like, Thank subscribe. you. Turn I, alerts. 
Or maybe it's a distraction and Christopher hasn't liked the video and he's oh. he is a, a red herring. Will you remember to uh, mention the uh, donation link this time? I don't think no, you've had. No, you, I, I don't, don't think, think you've. So. I don't think I'll, you've. I'll do. It. Ty, I'll do that in a second. Uh-huh. Um, let's, let's answer some questions. It's cool. It's cool. Is there anything else we got? Um, or Maddie will scold you if you don't like the video. Yeah. Matty, how often from Nick, uh, who very kindly donated earlier, no pressure to donate, but that is very much appreciated. Um, Matty, how often do you get to ask Pete questions? Every time he does a Zoom press conference, I'm going to try and attend. But working yeah. out when that happens is a different challenge. Isn't it just after it's the Monday or after just the road first games? I think. Yeah, after road games. Yeah. So if I get my stuff together, hopefully more. Um, but obviously they don't have any road games unless they make the playoffs. Unless they make the playoffs, so that's um, really the reason that Maddie is uh, rooting for the Seahawks to make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Um, can Can Wilson be fixed? I think we answered that. I yeah. At this point, no. Sorry. <laughs> it, it's if, it's over. If he it's becomes over. literally like a jugs machine, it's, so. It's, it's Will Silver. Yeah. Um... No, there you go. That's it.